Welcome to the Present in the Pain podcast, a weekly show that looks at the experience of pregnancy and child loss through the lens of the Catholic faith. I'm your host, Eileen Tully. This is the Present in the Pain podcast, and I'm Eileen Tully. We are talking today about the sixth sort of sorrow. So we're on our sixth part of our seven-part series on Our Lady of Sorrows. And today we'll be talking about the sixth sword, that's hard to say, sixth sword, which is receiving the body of Jesus from the cross. I mentioned at the start of this series that reflecting on Our Lady's suffering through these different swords of sorrow was what really made my relationship with her a personal one. And I think that this particular sort of sorrow was especially meaningful for me. It was it really felt personal when I did what she had invited me to do, which was to put myself in her place um, with this particular sword. And while I had watched my daughter die, like the fifth sword of sorrow was just standing at the foot of the cross and watching Jesus die, and that was terribly traumatic and led to really intense suffering that lasted a long time. I would have these unbidden flashbacks of that particular sorrow or that particular experience. Um, I also had these very, very real and vivid memories of the time spent after she died. The nurses cleaned her up and dressed her in a little hospital gown or a little, just a little gown that they had for these situations. And they invited my husband and I to come to a private area. Actually, this, the hospital was so, I don't know if all NICUs are like this, but this hospital was so um, sensitive to us as parents knowing that our daughter was going to die. And they really even weren't letting other visitors in because they they had called us on the phone and invited us back and just said, she's sort of taken a turn and she you, you'll want to come quickly back to the hospital because it's not looking good. So when we did come back, they really took some time to sort of usher other parents out and give us a little bit of you know, in the middle of this room full of other isolates with other babies, they really didn't have any other parents in there. It was just the nursing staff and the doctors. And my husband and I, while we were, you know, hoping and praying and standing there watching them work on Bridget and hoping that she would come through, we were able to have a priest come in and baptize her. And we were just, you know, singing with her and being with her. And but then as she her body started to decline and they you know they were they were coating her, right? They were giving her those little paddles and doing the chest compressions and doing all the things to try to keep her alive. And then of course we witnessed that it didn't ultimately work. And so goodness, I'm sorry. <laughs> so we were invited back into this private room to wait and they brought her to us and just you know the memory of seeing her it was it was this bittersweet time because 
was the first time that we could hold her just free of all those tubes and wires that had been connected to her since she was born. And she was so beautiful to us. But at the same time, she was obviously dead. You know, like she, her face just looked funny from having had the the ventilator tube taped to her lip. Her skin didn't have the elasticity that it would have had otherwise if she had been alive. And as I, you know, as I cradled her and just looked at every inch of her and I remember just holding her teeny tiny hands and watching them go from from pink to white. And you know, it was it was just this moment of of close, not even closure, just like it was so final, right? It just felt so, so heartbreakingly final. And it just reminds me of the Pieta, right? Everybody has seen like Michelangelo's Pieta or William Bougereau is a painter and he himself lost a child. If you haven't, if you don't know who he is, Google William Bougereau, B-O-U-G-E-R-E-A-U. He was from the 1800s, and he himself had lost a child. So he has a painting of the Pieta that just shows the look on Mary's face is just so broken. It's so devastated as she holds her son. And of course, you know, we have these images of Jesus with Mary holding him. He's His body looks intact, but he would have had all of these wounds and these gaping holes, and he would have been covered with blood and shredded skin. And, you know, he would have looked horrifying, really, to anyone but his mother, who, who just was able to look past that and hold him and love him. This episode is really getting me. <laughs> so I just love, you know, to, to put yourself in her place is not to think of her in the Pieta or in that painting, but rather to just imagine the real situation was that he was so gory and and horrifying looking and that she was just full of this bittersweet love for him, but coupled with, you know, just seeing, you know, how how upsetting his body looked and the feeling that I get when I put myself in Mary's place as she holds him that way is just one of resignation, just resignation, which at first to me, I remember when that word became a beautiful word to me because at first it it seems like it has a negative connotation, like when you resign, it's like a nice way of saying that you quit, right? You you know you don't retire from your job, but you resign or you you leave. It just sounds like negative. Like I can't take it anymore. I just have to leave. But the way Mary demonstrated resignation and the way that we are called to demonstrate resignation to God's will is such a strength because it's really how we're supposed to be living. Every day, resigned to his will. Resignation is like the ultimate holiness, right? Because we just live not troubled 
so much. Not that we don't feel emotions and sorrow and sadness and and disappointment and pain. But we live with this deep, deeper, abiding joy that's anchored to our faith. And it helps us to be just sort of unflappable in the face of whatever happens to us, whatever comes our way. It is just this the ultimate just trust that and fiat, right? Be it done to me according to your word. Like what however you want to use me, whatever you want to do, God, I'm I resign myself to your will. And I wish that I could remember to live in that because that resignation was just as I was holding my daughter, it was just like, gosh, this I, I this is completely not what I wanted, right? Like it was just just realizing that he was in control and I was not, and all of my hopes for how this would have turned out did not happen. And it was being forced to just accept that this is the way it was going to be. But to live in that resignation every day is to be just peaceful at our core and to have this abiding peace that is unshaken in the face of whatever things happen in our day, even just the annoyances of our everyday life, right? Let alone like when these major losses and things happen. So when I put myself in her place and I think about just being resigned to God's will, like here it is, the sword has pierced her heart. How many swords pierced her heart as she was holding him? I don't think you have to be a grieving mother to look at the Pieta and be moved by what Our Lady must have been feeling at that moment or in those moments. But what she was demonstrating for us was this resignation to the will of God. She was demonstrating faith that God was in control, hope that this was not the end of the story, and it's not for us either, and love for her son Jesus, who gave his life for her and for all of us. And so we can just aspire to live in that resignation because, you know, sometimes we're forced into it, right? You're forced to resign yourself. I was forced to resign myself to God's will. It wasn't what I wanted, but it was just the situation of, of losing our child forces us into that resignation. But we can either fight against it or we can just lean into it and say, if this is what you have for me, then... I trust you. I still trust you. This hurts. It's hard. I don't want it. I hate it, but I trust you. It makes me think about what happens when we try to share. If you've ever tried to share a photo you might have of your child after they died on social media or even just with friends, you know, it's something that they can really gasp at in horror, right? Some people are just, I would find, Sometimes pictures get covered up. If you're part of like a support group on Facebook where people are sharing pictures, you might lose friends who are just like, I can't look at that because it is difficult. It is difficult to look at. But I remember I was printing out a picture of Bridget for her funeral and I had not too many photos of her, but one that I had 
when she was alive, she just had her ventilator tube on and she had um, her NG tube in her nose. And so she had a lot of tape on her face, but she just looked beautiful. She was like alert and she was looking at me and her eyes were wide open. And when I saw that picture, all I saw was just her and, and not the tubes. And as I was printing it out, it was just like in the Target, like at the photo center or something, maybe Walmart. There was a mom and her child printing out some pictures next to me. And she, the mom looked over at my screen and she gasped and she covered up her child's eyes and turned him away like it was something terrible that that I was, you know, that I had on there. But really it was just my daughter that I loved and all I saw was was her. And that makes me think of, of just you know, how hard it is to share these pictures that we have of our children after they've died or even of them in the hospital. And so that is part of the reason why I created the Present in the Pain community. And in the podcast discussion area for this one, I would be so honored. I will share a picture of my Bridget there. I'm sorry, I'm just crying through this whole episode. (laughs) I will share a picture of my Bridget and I will share the photo of that the nurses took of my husband and I holding her, which is just so raw, but it was just such a special and sad time. But if you have a photo of your child that you would like to share with us, I would love to see it. And I would love if you would share that with us in the discussion for this episode of the podcast. So I know not everybody gets to have this Pieta moment, you know, this moment of holding their child because if you miscarried or or even sometimes if you had an emergency and your child was taken away, maybe their body was taken away and you didn't ever get that time to hold them. I know that can be a painful thing, but if you do have a photo that you would like to share, I would really be honored if you would share it with us. That being said, I just wanted to share that we have uh, a few things coming up inside the community. We have um, every other week, if you're part of the private retreat community, we have a live video chat to talk about the retreat or talk about things that we that are on our mind or things that are coming up. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the retreat, but you can join us every other Thursday at 8 p.m. and the next one will be tomorrow night. Then the following Thursday, October 27th at 8 p.m. also is um, our book discussion. And we are discussing A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis, which is a wonderful book about grief and faith. I would encourage you to just get it and read it, even if you don't even if you're not part of the discussion, because I just love how real um, C.S. Lewis is in that book as he describes his experience of wrestling with his faith in the face of the grief of losing his wife. The book is only four chapters, and so tomorrow we'll be talking about chapter two, but you can join us to discuss the book even if you haven't finished chapter two or finished chapter one. Um, So that will be October 27th, sorry, at 8 p.m. And then we'll just have one more week for the seventh sort of sorrow. Um, So that will be the end of our seven-part series on 
Our Lady of Sorrows, and then we'll have a break for the month of November, and I will be back in December with a new series called Breath of Heaven. I'm, I love, I'm doing so much research into this on the Holy Spirit, because I feel like sometimes I don't totally understand what the role of the Holy Spirit is, but... This will look at the role of the Holy Spirit as our comforter, and we'll be using the chorus of that Amy Grant song, Breath of Heaven, that we all hear all Christmas long, maybe, Um, but we'll take it line by line for the chorus, and we'll just look at how the Holy Spirit fills each of those roles for us and offers us comfort in the midst of our suffering. Thanks for bearing with me in this episode. I don't know why it just moved me so much, but it brought back a lot of memories, which I'm sure some of you might have had some too. But until next week, I'm Eileen Tully, and I'm so thankful you're here. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please consider hitting subscribe and leaving a review so that other people are better able to find it. Also, if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show in any amount, it would be helpful for maintaining the podcast hosting and production costs. Thanks for prayerfully considering that.